Hey, 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 Erica here. On today's episode, we are diving deep into the world of emotional intelligence where we will be learning some skills to manage our emotions. This episode is a continuation from the previous one where we touched on concepts like emotional awareness. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I'd strongly suggest that you do as well. Our ability to experience and express emotions is more important than you might realize. As the felt response to a given situation, emotions play a key part in your reactions. When you're in tune with them, you have access to important knowledge that helps with decision-making, relationship success, day-to-day interactions, self-care. While emotions can have a helpful role in your daily life, they can take a toll on your emotional health and interpersonal relationships when they start to feel out of control. Vicki Botnick, a therapist in California, explains that Any emotions, even elation, joy, or others you typically view as positive can intensify to a point where it becomes difficult to control. See, resilience is a muscle. Flex it enough and it will take less effort to get over the emotional punches each time, says Alicia Moore. There are real health and wellness benefits for being resilient. It's something worth striving for if you aren't already that way. Importantly, resilience is a learnable skill. Almost anyone can become emotionally resilient if they work at it. Growing in emotional resilience requires that you work towards greater self-knowledge. It is important, for example, that you learn to identify how you react in emotional situations. Becoming aware of how you react when stressed helps you gain better control over those reactions. A good framework to help guide you towards becoming aware of your emotions is something called emotional intelligence. For this reason, we wanna focus our attention on a concept called emotional intelligence. If you are tuned out of your own emotions, you will be poor at reading them in other people, says Daniel Goleman. Daniel Goleman is the person most associated with the concept of emotional intelligence. He popularized the phrase emotional intelligence and his books remain the most accessible and informative on the subject. The leading writers on the topic of emotional intelligence are John Mayer and Peter Salovey, who developed the concept, and Daniel Goleman, who adapted and popularized it. Salovey and Mayer defined emotional intelligence as the ability to monitor one's own and others' feelings and emotions, to discriminate among them, and use this information to guide one's thinking and actions. It can be understood as the ability to understand our own feelings, notice the emotions of others, and importantly, change our behavior based on this information. 
emotional intelligence is not simply being able to understand our own feelings and those of other people. Unless we change our behavior as a result of this understanding, we cannot be said to operate in an emotionally intelligent way. In short, emotionally intelligent people intentionally use their thinking and behavior to guide their emotions rather than letting their emotions dictate their thinking and behavior. People who are highly emotionally intelligent tend to also be highly emotionally resilient. As we look at Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence framework, there are two categories of skills to learn and master. The first one being personal competence, which are skills related to self, such as self-awareness and self-management, and social competence, which are skills related to others, such as social awareness and relationship management. Within each skill are the opportunities to recognize and regulate the relevant competence. These skills are transforming both business and personal success for those who master them. Emotional intelligence gives you the ability to recognize, understand, and manage our own emotions and recognize, understand, and influence the emotions of others. In practical terms, this means being aware that emotions can drive our behavior and impact people positively and negatively, and learning how to manage those emotions, both our own and others, especially when we are under pressure. So when would I need to manage myself? In giving and receiving feedback, meeting tight deadlines, dealing with challenging relationships, not having enough resources, dealing with change, dealing with setbacks and failure. People come to the challenge of emotional intelligence with different strengths and weaknesses. Where some find it easy to develop self-awareness and empathy, others have a difficult time or don't easily recognize the need. Luckily, emotional intelligence, likewise emotional resilience, is something that can be cultivated and developed have the ability to learn how to work better with emotions so as to improve your mental, physical, and social health. In order to become more emotionally intelligent, it is necessary to develop the following five skill domains. One, self-awareness. Self-awareness refers to the capacity to recognize and understand emotions and to a sense of how one's actions, moods, and the emotions of others take effect. It involves keeping track of emotions and noticing different emotional reactions as well as being able to identify the emotions correctly. Self-awareness also includes recognizing that how we feel and what we do are related and having awareness of one's own personal strengths and limitations. Self-awareness is associated with being open to different experiences and new ideas and learning from social interactions. Two, self-regulation. This aspect of emotional intelligence involves the appropriate expression of emotion. 
Self-regulation includes being flexible, coping with change, and managing conflict. It also refers to diffusing difficult or tense situations and being aware of how one's actions affect others and then taking ownership of these actions. Three, social skills. This component of emotional intelligence refers to interacting well with other people. It involves applying an understanding of the emotions of ourselves and others to communicate and interact with others on a day-to-day basis. Different social skills include active listening, verbal communication skills, not verbal communication skills, leadership, and developing rapport. Four, empathy. Empathy refers to being able to understand how other people are feeling. This component of emotional intelligence enables an individual to respond appropriately to other people based on recognizing their emotions. It enables people to sense power dynamics that play a part in all social relationships, but also most especially in workplace relations. Empathy involves understanding power dynamics and how these affect feelings and behavior, as well as accurately perceiving situations where power dynamics come into force. And the fifth is being motivation. Motivation, when considered as a component of emotional intelligence, refers to intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation means that an individual is driven to meet personal goals and needs rather than being motivated by external rewards such as money, fame, and recognition. People who are intrinsically motivated also experience a state of flow By being immersed in an activity, they are more likely to also be action-oriented and set goals. Such individuals typically have a need for achievement and search for ways to improve. They are also more likely to be committed and to take initiative. So how do you learn to manage your emotions? To start to understand your emotions, you need to ask yourself two questions. How do I feel and how do I know? But others also have emotions. At the same time as being aware of your own feelings, you also need to be aware of those of others. You also need to ask, how do others feel and how do I know? There are several ways that we can tell how others are feeling, but particularly by observing what they say and how they behave, including their body language. Research suggests that more than 80% of communication is nonverbal, meaning that it comes from body language and facial expression. Many of us don't like to talk about our emotions, especially not if they really matter to us. So they tend to be expressed even more in our body language. Emotions are not consciously controlled. We can understand them from the following angles. Firstly, the part of the brain that deals with emotions, 
is the limbic system. It's thought that this part of the brain evolved fairly early on in human history, making it quite primitive. This explains why an emotional response is often quite straightforward, but very powerful. You want to cry or run away or shout. It's because these responses are based around the need to survive. Emotions are strongly linked to memory and experience. If something bad has previously happened to you, your emotional response to the same stimulus is likely to be strong. Secondly, emotions are also closely linked to values. An emotional response could tell you that one of your key values has been challenged. In season one, we discussed and identified values and how it drives us, so be sure to check it out. Understanding this link to memory and values gives you the key to managing your emotional response. Your emotional responses don't necessarily have much to do with the current situation or to reason, but you can overcome them with reason and by being aware of your reactions. Much has been said and written about how to manage and control emotions. Anybody can become angry, that is easy, but to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the same right time and for the right purpose and in the right way that is not within everybody's power and is not easy says Aristotle there is a subtleness between high and low energy and negative and positive energy high positive energy enables you to perform well but you can't stay in that state forever Sooner or later, you need to reduce the energy. Stay positive and you will recover quickly. Dip into more negative feelings and you will feel burnt out. High negative energy is quite an uncomfortable place to be. It feels like you're fighting for survival all the time. Again, you will have to reduce the energy at some point since it could lead to burnout. An activity for you to consider is where would you place yourself on this matrix in your current work and or your life? There are a number of actions that you can take that will help you to manage your emotions. Many of them are very general, but try them because you may just find that they work. Exercise. This releases reward and pleasure chemicals in the brain such as dopamine which makes you feel better being fit also makes you healthier which helps in managing emotions be kind to others because this helps stop you worrying about yourself be open and accept what is going on around you. Learn to appreciate what is happening and avoid excessive criticism of others or situations. This is linked to mindfulness, which is about being aware of what is going on in the moment. It's good to talk, spend time with other people and enjoy their company. Distract yourself. Watching a bit of TV, reading, or surfing the internet will probably help you forget that you are feeling a bit down. 
don't give in to negative thinking. If you find yourself uh, reading or having negative thoughts, then challenge them by looking for evidence against them. Spend time outside. Being in the fresh air, especially around nature, is very helpful for calming the emotions. There's evidence that we need to see horizons. So if you can go up a hill and look at the view, then do. Be grateful. Thank people in person for doing nice things for you. And remember it. Play to your strengths. That often means doing things that you enjoy. But it also involves doing things that are good for you. Notice the good things in your life. In old-fashioned terms, count your blessings. Finding the right balance for you can help reduce your stress levels and may even help fight depression. How do you manage your emotions well? First, take a look at the impact of your emotions. Intense emotions aren't all bad. Emotions make our lives exciting, unique, and vibrant, Botnik says. Strong feelings can signify that we embrace life fully, that we are not repressing our natural reactions. It's perfectly normal to experience some emotional overwhelm on occasion, like when something wonderful happens, when something terrible happens, when you feel like you've missed out. So how do you know when there is a problem? Emotions that regularly get out of hand might lead to relationship or friendship conflict, difficulty relating to others, trouble at work or school, an urge to use substances to help manage your emotions, physical or emotional outbursts. Find some time to take stock of just how your uncontrolled emotions are affecting your day-to-day life. This will make it easier to identify problem areas and track your success. Secondly, aim for regulation, not repression. As mentioned earlier, emotions are not consciously controlled, only if it were that easy. But imagine for a moment that you could manage emotions this way. You wouldn't want to leave them running at maximum all the time. You wouldn't want to switch them off entirely either. When you suppress or repress emotions, you're preventing yourself from experiencing and expressing feelings. This can happen consciously through suppression or unconsciously through repression. Either can contribute to mental and physical health symptoms, including anxiety, depression, sleep issues, muscle tension and pain, difficulty managing stress, substance misuse. When learning to 
exercise control over emotions. Just make sure you aren't sweeping them under the rug. Healthy emotional expression involves finding some balance between overwhelming emotions and no emotions at all. Thirdly, identify what you're feeling. Taking a moment to check in with yourself about your mood can help you begin gaining back control. Say you've been seeing someone for a few months. You tried planning a date last week, but they said they didn't have time. Yesterday, you texted again saying, I'd like to see you soon. Can you meet this week? They finally reply more than a day later. Can't. Busy. You're suddenly extremely upset. Without stopping to think, you hurl your phone across the room, knock over your wastebasket, and kick your desk, stubbing your toe. Interrupt yourself by asking, what am I feeling now? Disappointed? Confused? Furious? What happened to make me feel this way? Okay, yeah, they brushed me off with no explanation. Does the situation have a different explanation that might make sense? Maybe they're stressed, sick, or dealing with something that they don't feel comfortable explaining. They might plan to explain more when they can. So what do I want to do about these feelings? Hmm, Scream, vent my frustration by throwing things, text back something rude. Or is there a better way of coping with them? Like asking if everything's okay, asking when they're free next, going for a walk or a run. By considering possible alternatives, you're reframing your thoughts, which can help you modify your first extreme reaction. This might feel like cognitive restructuring, which we practiced in the previous episode. It can take some time before this response becomes a habit. With practice, going through these steps in your head, it will become easier and more effective. Fourthly, accept your emotions, all of them. If you're trying to get better at managing emotions, you perhaps try downplaying your feelings to yourself. When you hyperventilate after receiving good news or collapse on the floor screaming and sobbing when you can't find your keys, It might seem helpful to tell yourself, just calm down, or it's not that big of a deal, so don't freak out. But this invalidates your experience. It's a big deal to you. Accepting emotions as they come helps you get more comfortable with them. Increasing your comfort around intense emotions allows you to feel them fully without reacting in extreme, unhelpful ways. Here's a tip. To practice accepting emotions, try thinking of them as messengers. They're not good or bad. They're neutral. Maybe they bring up unpleasant feelings sometimes, but they're still giving you important information that you can use. For example, try this. I'm upset because I keep losing my keys, which makes me late. I should put on a dish, on the shelf, 
by the door so that I remember to leave them in the same place. Accepting emotions may lead to greater life satisfaction and fewer mental health symptoms. What's more, people thinking of their emotions as helpful may lead to higher levels of happiness. My fifth point is to keep a reflective journal. Like I mentioned before, writing down or typing up your feelings and the responses they trigger can help you uncover any disruptive patterns. Sometimes it's enough to mentally trace emotions back through your thoughts. Putting feelings onto paper can allow you to reflect on them more deeply. It also helps you recognize when specific circumstances like trouble at work or family conflict contribute to harder to control emotions. Identifying specific triggers makes it possible to come up with ways to manage them more productively. Keep your journal with you and jot down intense emotions or feelings as they happen. Try to note the triggers and your reaction. If your reaction didn't help, use your journal to explore more helpful possibilities for the future. My sixth point is to take a deep breath. There's much to be said for the power of a deep breath, whether you're ridiculously happy or so angry you can't speak. Slowing down and paying attention to your breath won't make the emotions go away. And remember, that's not the goal. Still, deep breathing exercises can help you ground yourself and take a step back from the first intense flash or emotion and any extreme reaction you want to avoid. The next time you feel emotions starting to take control, breathe in slowly. Deep breaths come from the diaphragm, not the chest. It may help to visualize your breath rising from deep inside your belly. Hold it. Hold your breath for a count of three. Then let it out slowly. Consider a mantra. Some people find it helpful to repeat a mantra like, I am calm or I am relaxed. Or retrieve your affirmations you formulated and have them handy. I created an affirmation page full of affirmations and I have included the link in the description box. Make sure to follow the page on Instagram and be a part of our growing community. My seventh point is to know when to express yourself. There is a time and place for everything, including extreme emotions. Sobbing uncontrollably is a pretty common response to losing a loved one, for example. Screaming into your pillow, even punching it, might help you relieve some anger and tension after being dumped, for example. Other situations, however, call for some restraint. No matter how frustrated you are, screaming at your boss over an unfair disciplinary action won't help. Being mindful of your surroundings and the situation can help you learn when it's okay to let feelings out and when you might want to sit with them for the moment. My eighth point is to give yourself some space. 
Getting some distance from intense feelings can help you make sure you're reacting to them in reasonable ways, according to Botnik. This distance might be physical, like leaving an upsetting situation, for example. But you can also create some mental distance by distracting yourself. While you don't want to block or avoid feelings entirely, it's not harmful to distract yourself until you're in a better place to deal with them. Just make sure you do come back to them. Healthy distractions are only temporary. Give yourself some space by taking a walk, watching a funny video, talking to a loved one, spending a few minutes with your pet. My ninth point is to try meditation. If you practice meditation already, it might be one of your go-to methods for coping with extreme feelings. Meditation can help you increase your awareness of all feelings and experiences. When you meditate, you're teaching yourself to sit with those feelings, to notice them without judging yourself or attempting to change them or make them go away. As mentioned above, Learning to accept all of your emotions can make emotional regulation easier. Meditation helps you increase those acceptance skills. It also offers other benefits like helping you relax and get better sleep. My tenth point is to stay on top of stress. When you're under a lot of stress, managing your emotions can become more difficult. Even people who generally can't control their emotions well might find it harder in times of high tension and stress. Reducing stress or finding more helpful ways to manage it can help your emotions become more manageable. Mindfulness practices like meditation can help with stress too. They won't get rid of it, but they can make it easier to live with. Other ways to cope with stress include getting enough sleep, making time to talk and laugh with friends, exercise, spending time in nature, making time for relaxation and hobbies. My 11th and final point for today is to speak with a professional. If your emotions continue to feel overwhelming, it may be time to seek professional support. Long-term or persistent emotional dysregulation and mood swings are linked to certain mental health conditions, including borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder. Trouble controlling emotions can also relate to trauma, family issues, or other underlying concerns, Botnik explains. A therapist or a life coach like myself can offer compassionate, judgment-free support as you explore factors contributing to dysregulated emotions in yourself, as you address severe mood swings, and practice challenging and reframing feelings that cause distress. Mood swings and intense emotions can provoke negative or unwanted thoughts that eventually trigger feelings of hopelessness and despair. This cycle can eventually lead to unhelpful coping methods like self-harm or even thoughts of suicide. 
if you begin thinking about suicide or have urges to self-harm talk to a trusted loved one who can help you get support right away how do we then learn to use our emotions constructively the concept of Aristotle's theory to achieve the ultimate goal happiness is presented in his book called Nicomachean Ethics where he explains the virtues that are needed to attain it throughout Aristotle's work he suggests that virtue is a mean to happiness that he believed is a universal goal of every human being he discusses different types of virtue and uses them to form an appealing definition of happiness. Aristotle in his moral philosophy argues that the golden mean or golden middle way is the desirable middle or a sliding scale between the extremes or vices of excess and deficiency. For example, while courage is a virtue, in excess, it would be considered recklessness. And in deficiency, it would be regarded as cowardice. You could have a vice of excess or one of deficiency. His virtue continuum places the emphasis on high character and not on duty or seeking good consequences. It means a person is courageous out of practice rather than duty or to produce some desired effect. The golden mean is a means of assisting a person in practicing good character as they strive to make it second nature. We need to grow into knowing how to get to the desirable middle with our emotions. Not too much, but not too little. As I previously stated, you can change how you feel. The key is to be aware of your emotional response and understand what might be behind it. That way, you can apply some reason to the situation. For example, you might ask yourself some questions about possible courses of action like, how do I feel about this situation? What do I think I should do about it? What effect would that have for me and for other people? Does this action fit with my values? If not, what else could I do that might fit better? Is there anyone else that I could ask about this who might help me? This helps you to apply reason to an emotional response before reacting. An example that's linked to cognitive restructuring, which we covered in a previous episode, is Support, so suppose you are afraid of being in the dark because you got shut in a dark room when you were a child. You always have an emotional response to the dark because of your earlier experience, but you can remind yourself that you are now grown up and that there is nothing to frighten you. All you have to do is walk over to the light and turn it on. By practicing this, you can help your brain to understand that there is no need to be frightened and gradually retrain your limbic system. How do we make decisions with our emotions? When you make decisions, you can draw on reason, emotion, or a mixture of the two. 
Emotional decisions are sometimes seen as made in the heat of the moment, but emotions play a greater part in most decisions that we may be aware. Like if you're married, for example, you know that considerable thought may have gone into the decision about whether or not to get married. Very few, however, would argue that the decision is made solely on the basis of logic. The best decisions are made using both logic and emotion. If you only use one or the other, your decisions might either not be very balanced or not support your emotional needs. Instead, you need to combine your emotional response with more rational considerations. You can do this by stopping before you decide to give yourself a chance to think. Think about how you will feel as a result of each possible action. Consider what might happen as a result and how your decision might affect others. Would you be happy with those effects? Take some time out before making a decision. Consider the decision against your values. Does it fit with them? If not, why not? Think about what someone whom you respect would think about your decision. Are you happy with that? Finally, consider what would happen if everyone were to take the same action. If this would be a disaster, then probably best not to do it. To conclude this episode, I just want you to let go to go forward. Practicing self-awareness is a lifelong process of letting go of primal fears You've had a lifetime to learn to protect yourself by using emotions a certain way. Changing the way you relate to your emotions may take another lifetime. Let go of the belief that allowing emotions to be seen is weakness. Let go of the fear that emotions will overwhelm you if you actually feel them. Let go of the terror of being different. At the core, remember your emotions are seeking your safety. When you have a strong reaction, know that it's a message that some part of you feels unsafe. When someone else has a strong reaction, know that she or he feels unsafe. Don't trivialize the reaction. Recognize it as valid and valuable. Then help both of you find the courage to persevere past the fear, to gracefully flow into the risk of learning and growing. I hope this episode was helpful to you and that you will be better able to manage your emotions from here on out. Thank you for listening to this and I hope to catch you on the next episode. Until later.